This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5, flying high in both Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team that actually gets to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like, that's, that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. What's going on, Bryant West? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Brendan. I'm doing great because my career and mental well-being does not depend on the Kings giving a damn about competing on a nightly basis, which is more than I can say for certain individuals in Sacramento right now. Yeah, I'll say this one This one hurt me. This stretch hurt me. We haven't recorded for a second. Um, and they were on a seven of eight game win streak for a good while there coming out of the all-star break. They played some really good basketball that was completely reliant on their offense. The bench pieces looked like they were, you know, making an impact on a few nights and had some big games, individual performances and things like that. And then, yeah, seven of eight. And, you know, this is the second time they've won seven of eight this year. The first time I was ready for them to crash back down to earth. I knew it would happen eventually, and then they lost nine in a row after that one. This one, they won seven of eight, and I believed, Bryant. I think I made a mistake. <laughs> I believed in this team. I didn't think they were that caliber, but I thought that, okay, this is a 10th seed. Like, this team totally is in a good spot for that play-in. And I don't know what to say. Um, five losses in a row. 
the Lakers with absolutely – you had the Kyle Kuzma game. You had the Corey Joseph game. <laughs> oh, D'Angelo Russell comes back, known team killer. Um, you had Drew Holiday go crazy. But I, I don't know, man. Teams that have been able to do whatever they want to this team um, on the defensive end all season long. But the difference to me, I was working on an article breaking down why they are like a top 10 offense and everything has gone to shit since then, since I started trying to work on this. Yeah. And it, I'll say, I think a lot of it has to do with the play of De'Aaron Fox. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to be critical of a guy that, you know, over this stretch of five games, he's had a 20-point night, only 12 one night, but 27, 31, 23. He's putting up consistent numbers, but the issue with this team is obviously energy levels, and I think you saw a prime example of that against Detroit where they just got outworked, out-hustled. The other team was more physical. Sacramento didn't match it, and I just don't think that they have a on-court like dog that just brings a crazy amount of infectious energy and gets in people's face and yells when they are not going all out. Like I think that they just don't have that personality on the team. Um, And sometimes I think that Fox's play can do that on the offensive end of the floor, that he can energize the team. But there were multiple occasions over this stretch where Fox went MIA. Um, There was the beginning of the San Antonio game, I want to say it was, um, where he just – I want to say he didn't get his first field goal made until the, sec- the second half of the game. Um, against Minnesota, he put up a good stat line, but he only scored five points in the fourth quarter, which is just not what you need from him. And, you know, I mean, I think it's fair to hold Fox to these expectations. He's a max guy, and he's shown that he's capable of doing that. You know, before this five-game stretch, he was going crazy. He was – in contention for player of the month. He won player of the week. He is like an all-star caliber player, and I think think these are fair criticisms. But he's also allowed to have off nights, and there needs to be people that can pick up the slack. And it doesn't seem like when Fox has an off night, which is happening more often than it should, but I think that's fine at this point in his career, there's nobody to pick up the slack, and I think that's a big issue. Yeah. I fully believe that De'Aaron Fox can lead the Kings in scoring when they're a good team, but it's become pretty dang obvious to me in the last couple of months that he can't or isn't yet the locker room leader of a bad team. Um, When the team plays listless and effortless like last night, De'Aaron Fox will put up stats, but he is almost always playing the exact same way. He really ebbs and flows just like the rest of the team. And that sucks because he's the obvious dude you want to demand more consistency from his team. But yet he and Harrison Barnes, the two dudes you expect to be the leaders of this team, have just keep having to come out after games with the same disappointed, we're not consistent, we're not mentally ready lines. Which, I mean, that sucks. Um, I think the culture setter for this team needs to be one of the best players on the team. And it's pretty clear that the Kings don't have that guy yet. Maybe the right head coach can come in and bring out the real 100% effort and consistency in Fox. I don't know. Um, I've just watched too many games where the Kings just completely give up. Um, And Fox gave up along with them to expect that he can just turn it around to become a locker room leader. And that's a 
to me, that's the real disappointment of the season. You know, me and you were all about let's let's kind of reset this year. Um, this team needs more top end talent. Um, let's trade the veterans. Uh, let's convince De'Aaron Fox and uh, Tyrese Halliburton that you know this is somewhat of a rebuild year that we're going to play with the young guys. Um, and you know there were a lot of smart fans out there who disagreed with this, and I understand a lot of what they were talking about in that how do you go to the Aaron Fox a month after you've signed into a massive extension and say, hey, this year's going to be kind of a rebuild year. We're not going to be that great. We're going to play the young guys. And to which I just say, look at Detroit last night. Detroit didn't have their best player, Jeremy Grant, and yet they were ready to play. Their players gave a fuck which is more than I can say for the Kings right now. Um, I said it on Twitter last night. I thought the Kings needed to rebuild and kind of go for a higher draft pick this year just because they didn't have the top-end talent. But I think the real sad truth is that the Kings need to rebuild because they don't have enough players that simply give a fuck. Yeah, so it's interesting. One thing you said that I want to elaborate on a little bit is that you said it feels like the guy that is the culture setter has to be one of the better players on the team or one of the best players on the team. Yeah. Um, how good of a player? Can you be like Rashawn Holmes level? You know, the Kings have – I talked about this with Jill on Twitter last night. The Kings have always, through multiple iterations of coaches and front office personnel, they've always tried to bring in that locker room leader. It was Garrett Temple, then it was Amon Shumpert, then it mm-hmm. was – Kent Bazemore, and it was Harrison Barnes. And every time, like, that dude has always made some level of impact. But it's never led to the success that they've wanted. Um, And, you know, there have been a ton of other factors that haven't really clicked. The biggest of them all being that the Kings just don't have the right talent. I mean, at the end of the day, I do think that the – easiest answer for this team, the Occam's razor of this team, is that they just don't have enough top-end talent to really feel in their heart of hearts like they're a great basketball team. Um, But I also do really feel like the Kings need that culture setter to be one of the best guys. Um, And right now, I think you and I would both agree where Sean Holmes is a top three king. Um, but I kind of feel like that dude has to be a top three player on a good team to get this and, get this locker room where it needs to be. And Holmes is a guy that has a lot of fire and intensity to himself, but you don't see him getting on his teammates when they're yeah. lacking. You know, and I think that part of the reason that guy does need to be a good player is, you know, he needs to be respected by his teammates if he does get on their ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that you can find, like, a fifth starter that also makes a big impact. Like, I think if you got a hard-nosed, say, like, Jay Crowder, and then also paired it with a coach that had that mentality, um, that that could work as well. Like, if this was, like, Thibodeau, or if this was a Doc Rivers team, um where there's more, I would say, accountability, and it's 
maybe that's unfair of me to say from the outside like this, but I think that as I want to just say as down as I'm going to be this episode because the Kings are in a slump, like they're not that far away from being a good team. So I think from being a six seed for a while and then, you know, you make one right move and you can maybe take a jump is kind of what I think, which doesn't sound awesome, but it sounds a lot better than things we've been watching for a while. Um, so in perspective, you know, I think there is like just clear moves that can make this team better. And part of that is they don't have a number two. I think you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of good guys on the team, Barnes, Holmes, Halliburton. I think they're all like third options. And one of them needs to be a number two. And some nights, one of those guys does emerge as a number two. But more often than not, that's not the case. I think Halliburton can be that guy, but he doesn't have the volume to do that right now. Yeah, it's totally reasonable. Um, But maybe he can grow into that, but they don't have it right now. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the over these last five games, Fox is shooting 39% from the field, 20% from three, um, and averaging three turnovers, six assists, 22 points. He's still getting up numbers, but he has really struggled, and that's been the case for this team. You know, in, in wins, he shoots 51% from the field, 36% from three. In losses, 45% from the field and 28% from three. I think that, you know, there's certain situations if Fox is still at the point where his jumper is what teams are fine giving up, as it should be, because he's absolutely elite at the rim. So when he plays a team like Milwaukee, where the entire scheme is just not let that team get to the rim, he's forced to settle for more jumpers, and sometimes that leads to some struggles a little bit. But if he had another guy that was able to help in those situations that could take advantage as a guy on the perimeter, um, which maybe is eventually Halliburton. But the other members of this team, win-loss numbers, are not drastic like this because Harrison Barnes can have a good night, but he's not going to win you the game. Um, on occasion, on occasion, but more often than not, not that's not going to be the case. Fox like kind of has to win you the game every single night, which is not fair to put that all on him. Um, And, you know, I I will say it's very interesting that you have a starting five that is clearly working really well together. I think that even over the stretch of four losses going into Detroit, and they had just won a seven of eight before that, that the Kings had been playing good basketball off the bench as well. The bench unit looked like it had a new energy to them with Harkless, Davis, and DeLon Wright. Um, There looked like a good energy there, and there was, I thought, you know, they were getting a comfortable rotation where Hallie Burton was just the first guy subbed out, and then he would go back in with the bench unit, and they would kind of figure out who was going to be the one guy from the starter that stayed with that bench unit, and they were working that out. Why... (laughs) <laughs> why did Mo Harkless start over Halliburton? That it was not an issue. That, that that starting five was so far from an issue. It's one of the few things that Walton was getting praised for this year. Yeah, he'd finally figured out his best five man lineup. Oh, uh, and you know, I it, James Ham uh, reported yesterday all of the insights that the Kings had put out there. Um, the bench unit is struggling. 
Like, I really didn't were, think they Were they really? Them. Were they Since really? The trade. No. Like, um, and, the, and they needed more size to go up against Detroit. Well, if you need to change your dang lineup to go up against the worst. We need to guard Josh Jackson, Brian. Josh Jackson is a problem. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was last night. Dude, he was. <laughs> I... Yeah. Well, actually, Sadiq Bey was more. Um, you know, it's just more like I, I, I didn't understand the timing of it. I didn't understand the move of it. Um, if you want to have more firepower off the bench, then move Buddy Heald to the dang bench. Um, I don't know. I feel yeah. like this yeah. was Luke Walton shuffling chairs on the Titanic before – the Titanic really hit the biggest iceberg, which to me was last night. Back-to-back losses against Minnesota and, that and Detroit. Was Cor- <laughs> yeah, it was Corey Joseph. And that iceberg's name was Corey Joseph. <laughs> yeah, I cannot believe. I, 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 I cannot believe. I want to rant on something here because every single member of King's Twitter was making this joke yesterday. Oh, this is going to be the Corey Joseph revenge game. And, you know, it was a great narrative. We could have all, like, chokingly expected it to happen. No, none of us actually expected it to happen. None of us who watched Corey Joseph for how many games did he play with the Kings this year? I don't even know. Who watched him play this season? None of us would have expected him to score 24 points and have seven assists on 10 of 14 shooting. Like, he was making shots last night that if he had made in a Sacramento Kings uniform, he'd still be a dang Sacramento King. Like, so many people were like, oh, look, Corey Joseph should have never been traded. He was a professional. He was never the problem. No. (laughs) What he did last night was so far out of the ordinary for Corey Joseph. The only yeah. explanation is the basketball gods are playing a goddamn trick on the Sacramento Kings right now. It was stupid bad. Corey Joseph outscored. Yeah, he outscored De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> Nobody was going to say they expected that to have. Yeah. Which also, yeah, Fox can't let that happen. Fox needs to get up. He 8 of 19. Yeah. I get your threes weren't falling, but like it, you can do whatever you want against Isaiah Stewart. Like, oh, the yeah. the one highlight of the Fox last night was him putting uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and thus all of my 2017 draft picks <laughs> on the goddamn floor. That was the only part of last night where I was like, oh, all right. There was a Harkless dunk. Oh, I okay. will say that one was pretty nasty. But it matters for nothing. I appreciated that all of NBA Twitter outside of Sacramento was like, whoa, what a great dunk. And Sacramento fans (laughs) were just like, no, they're still down by 15 to the goddamn Detroit Pistons. Let's go. Yeah, Yeah, horrible timing for a great dunk, but it was a great dunk. Yeah, I don't know, man. This team is a mess. Um, They started the year. I completely have misplaced my notes here. They started the year winning three of four. They were three and one, obviously, at the time. Then they lost 11 of 13, staying at five and 10 at that point. And then they won seven of eight, which we were very optimistic at the time. 12 of 11 was a record at the time, just 
broke 500, and then they lose nine straight, 12 of 20 at that point. Then the only normal stretch of basketball, so they went three of seven for a little while there. They were sitting at 15 and 24. Then they had this recent stretch that I, again, was baited into belief with this stretch of seven of eight. Once again, 22 and 25 is where they sat, and now five in a row. It's just a roller coaster ride, and there's just no consistency of, you know, sometimes that, yeah, sure, Fox had an off night, so that's why it, it didn't happen tonight. But the team just gives up some games really early on, and then they are just fighting to come back, and there's occasional stretches where, okay, maybe this is a run right here, but there's no energy from anyone. So, yeah. I don't really know. Um, I don't really bizarre. know what else to say. It's bizarre to me because I've, Lord knows, I've sat through these fifteen terrible seasons, and I can't honestly remember a team that was this hot and cold, this much of an up and down roller coaster. It it it, it the the sheer number of uh, seven of eight nine straight losses on and on like you just talked. About, I'm sure Tim or some other um, stat sheet nerd could look at the schedules and be like, well, actually, the Kings in blank year were this inconsistent. But to me, it's just like I can't honestly remember a team that was this hot or cold. Um, and, you know, we I feel like we've gone 20 minutes into this podcast without having – the real conversation that I think Sacramento is having right now, which is, is this the stretch that's going to finally cost Luke Walton his, his job? I hope that his job was done at the end of the year, unless there was some outlier great season from him anyways. So yeah. like if they still wait till the end of the year, whatever, but as long, like he, he deserves I guess that's a strong word, but I think it would be totally reasonable to fire him after this Pistons game. I agree. Um, you know, I'd always hoped that – I've never thought that Luke Walton was the right coach for this team. Um, I'd always hoped that this, if this team wasn't going to be good, if they weren't going to surprise me by suddenly being amazingly loads better than I expected, uh, I always hoped that, that they'd – that he they move on from him at the end of the season. But there is something to me in the fact that you can't let a team be this shitty. You can't destroy the locker room this much. Um, I don't think Alvin Gentry is going to just magically turn this team into a playing contender. I want to remove playing contender from our vocabulary because even if they make – that tenth seed, they will lose in that that one game series, um, and I don't want to ever give myself false hope on that. But if the team is going to be this bad and just have terrible listless games against the worst teams in the league, I don't know. There's there's something to be said about it, having Luke stick around. Um, and you know we we've talked all all this all this podcast about the players and the inconsistency from the players. I don't want that to, like, be I, – I, I hear 
so many people giving Luke Walton excuses um, because I really feel like too often the problems with this team come down to an either or. Like who is really at fault? It's either Luke Walton or it's the players. And it really shouldn't be an either or. I think Luke Walton is a bad coach, full stop. No excuses needed whatsoever. He's rarely been able to put his players in the best position to win. He's currently lost the locker room in terms of effort and consistency. He's facing a lot of the exact same problems he did in Los Angeles. And I don't think he's been especially great at developing a majority of this roster, whether it's over the next few weeks, um, whether it's by the end of this podcast they fire him, or whether it's at the end of the season, he's got to go. Um, but I feel Kings players deserve a ton of blame here. Four of these last five games have been absolutely pathetic in terms of effort, physicality, and simple give a fuck about this game. So it's not a really either or, in my opinion. Um, and I, I, I feel like this is the nail in the coffin for Luke Walton's career in Sacramento. Um, yeah. It'll just be interesting to see when Monty McNair pulls the plug. Um, because, you know, there is some some deranged side of me that's like, well, if they just keep losing, they have a better chance at uh, uh, jumping in the lottery. And, you know, there is a there's a balance here of, yeah, I do think the Kings need more top-end talent. So, uh, you know, more losses lead to higher chances of a draft pick. But at the same time, I don't want this locker room to be completely destroyed. I don't want De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton to just keep having to or to keep being part of a team that just is, is terrible. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. I'll also say... Shitty balance. It is. It, it, the blame belongs to both people, for sure. Um, Everybody. Yeah, to all sides. Um, I think that, you know, there could be, like, more accountability. Like, if a guy clearly is slumping or not caring much on a possession, go out of your eight-man rotation. And, of course, I do just want to see Robert Woodard minutes. Don't get me wrong. That's where this is leading. But, like, if there's clearly guys, there's nights where you need an energy burst, try it. Yeah. Try it. No excuse for Robert Woodard not getting minutes yesterday. It, it, it boggles my mind that the Kings can come out and be this flat and Luke still like, because the Kings, like, in the last three minutes of that game last night, the players all decided, all right, now is when we're going to turn it on. We're going to try some last-minute yeah. magical run. And I feel like Luke Walton coaches that same way. Like, he's just expecting, like, if he keeps having the exact same lineup, if he keeps putting Hassan Whiteside out there as his, as his eighth-man big, um, that suddenly something's going to they're going to turn around and beat the Pistons. It's like, what? why couldn't you, after the first three quarters there, realize that 
it's not going to just magically turn around. Go give Robert Woodard 10 minutes. What's the worst thing that can happen? You mean a high third. energy defensive player yeah. that tries to dunk on everyone? That sounds like some yeah. energy to me. If, if, if the Kings were losing these games by playing uh, Robert Woodard over Hassan Whiteside or, you know, giving Jamias Ramsey six of DeLon Wright's minutes or, you know, I'm still not a Mo Harkless fan. He had a great dunk last night, but in 20 yeah. minutes he had four points, one rebound, and one steal. Like, do I really need to see him over Woodard? I don't, but if they were losing these games like the Pistons are by yeah. playing their youngsters, I, I'd be a lot more forgiving about what this team is doing. But this team is still trotting out the same things, five games, and expecting a different result. Yeah, definition of insanity. I think we've reached that point probably for a long time now. I guess I'm just now reaching this point. <laughs> but, yeah, I did load up Tankathon for the first time in a few weeks this morning, last night, something like that. What? Yeah, what? you're on crazy. it all the time. Oh, yeah. God, dude, there's never a time where I don't have a tankathon tab open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're at ninth. They're at ninth. So, you know, maybe a way to close. We talked about needing the defensive difference maker. And, you know, him needing to be one of your better players. I, I think he could be, like, your sixth best player, you know, at, at the lowest. Um, could Scotty Barnes be that guy? He has a ridiculous <laughs> defensive intensity. And I think I'll say that it has to be paired with a coach that also mm-hmm. is that way. But could Spot, Scotty Barnes be the on-court defensive um, culture changer in Sacramento? He won't. He wouldn't be his first year. Um, yeah. And you're right. He'd have to come with another coach and probably uh, another veteran or two. Um I don't think that if this team just ran it back with um, pick any one of your favorite available coaches and Scotty Barnes, I don't think that this team is a sixth seed next year. But I definitely – Scotty Barnes is such a complicated player, and I feel like I have to explain the nuance of drafting him every time because Lord knows you draft Scotty Barnes to a team that already has a – number one score with shooting deficiencies. You have to have shooting across the board at all the other positions to make me feel confident about the long-term viability of this offense. But Scotty Barnes is going to be in my top seven players by the the time I release uh, a big board, which is going to be soon, by the way. Um, And I definitely feel like He's one of the more realistic dream fits for this team, not because he is some perfect fit, but because at his ceiling, he might be exactly what this team needs on the defensive end. And I don't really know that I can say that about any of the other dudes in the 6 to 12 range, even Moses Moody, who you and I are going to have over Scotty Barnes. I assume. I don't want to speak yeah. to you. But, we haven't um, even talked about France Wagner. I don't know. <laughs> oh, what a great time for Franz Wagner to have the worst game of his Michigan career. Huh? We don't I didn't have that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You and I will probably have a a, a big board update podcast soon. Um, you know, I, I 
uh, I feel like uh, the other day um, I, I had a realization and then I shared it on Twitter. You know, what the, there's not the reason that I watch so much college basketball isn't because the game, the college game is always beautiful, and I love seeing these youngsters not get paid to play what is objectively mediocre to watch basketball. It's a self-defense mechanism of 15 years of shitty kings to where if I'm watching college basketball, maybe the guy who will turn this all around will just magically show up in front of me. And he has a couple of signs. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have fallen into the draft for sure. Um, it is yeah. definitely like when they go on these losing streaks, that is what keeps me going. I'm like, well, I'm going to research some draft prospects. And that's where I find my optimism in the future. So definitely understandable. Um, you know, one other thing, actually, I keep saying one more thing. Have you seen this Phoenix comp thrown out? And I've thrown it out there for sure um, about team building oh. for the Kings. I, It's interesting because so CP3 is the weird one, obviously, right? He's the outlier situation. The Sacramento is not going to get like a CP3 handed to them in the same way for very minimal assets. But I think that you can get a player considerably worse than CP, but still be, like I said, somewhere around your sixth best player. But what really makes the difference for me is less about the CP3 and more of Monty Williams was brought in, and he was obviously making a difference to that team last year before CP was even there. But also with Chris Paul... You brought Jay Crowder. You brought Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, like a bunch of veteran presence players. And I think that when Sacramento does feel comfortable with their surrounding roster, it's like your end of the bench guys even, or, you know, your eighth, ninth guys in your rotation, seventh even, like can be these veteran players that can be a leadership role of sorts. And so uh, for me, the Phoenix comp is less about CP3, which I know that he's a major part of that, but more of like all the moves they made on the margins around CP3, I think are what really excelled them to this point of just really quick growth. So that that's where I look at the Phoenix mold, and I'm like, I think that part is replicable. And then you wait for a player, you know, lesser caliber than CP3 at this point in his career. Um, but I think that that is something that you can look at and potentially steal pieces of from. I agree to an extent. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, this team was really good in the bubble before Chris Paul came. So it's very clear that Monty Williams turned it around and had these guys competing and winning games that nobody expected them to even before the real culture setter, as I define Chris Paul as, coming in. I agree with you that he is the outlier in this conversation, but the Kings can absolutely do what James Jones did. They can absolutely ace their mid-lottery pick. Um, They can absolutely find another couple of veterans who, more than the Kings' current veterans, will demand consistency. Um, De'Aaron Fox is comparable talent-wise to me as Devin Booker. Um, totally. The difference 
I feel is uh, the Kings don't have quite as many uh, defensive um, players ready to break out and provide two-way value. Like, they don't have Mikael Bridges on I knew his name was going to come up at yeah. some point. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, of course. <laughs> and the Mikael Bridges bandwagon later yeah. and have been since 2017. I can't talk about how much I love the Phoenix Suns without talking about my large adult son. Uh-huh. Um, so while I definitely feel like Monty McNair can copy a lot of what um, the Phoenix Suns did, you know, I feel the end goal here for Monty McNair has always been eventually trade for a star. Yeah. Um, and whether that's an aged guy like Chris Paul who comes and takes a younger core to the next level ahead of their expected window, uh, and Lord knows I'm going to so enjoy watching the Suns in the playoffs this year. Um, that'd be great if it's trading in his chips for a star languishing on a young team that never got anywhere. Like, to me, the pie in the sky is and will always be go rescue Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's anywhere realistic, but that's the that's the pie in the sky dream for me. I feel like that's where Monty McNair wants to go when he's roster building. Um, yeah. But – He's still got a lot of work to do before then. Uh, he's still got to find the right coach. He's got to ace this next draft. He's got to figure out, all right, are Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes really the locker room veterans that I want to have in here? What in the heck am I going to do with Buddy Heald? Um, he's got to make more value moves on the edges. It's not going to be any one thing that turns the ship around. It's not going to be any. It's not going to be firing Luke Walton and bringing in the right head coach that's suddenly going to turn this around. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the right coach could make this team better than they are. I don't want to make that in any way an excuse for Luke Walton, but it's not the magic solution. It's the, it's the dozen things. It's demanding more from De'Aaron Fox. Um, I think at the end of the day, this Kings team is just not talented enough. And uh, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, you know, for anyone that says, like, well, Sacramento's never going to get any free agents, they're not going to build that way, I think that, you know, you could say the same thing. Phoenix was never going to get any guys. And then, like, I, I mean, players understand what an appealing basketball situation is um, and are able to identify it that offseason. You know, like, I, I think it's not hard to become an appealing place for quality bench players, you know, a fifth starter and things like that. Like, sure, they're not going to sign a star in the offseason, but you can sign good role players that will make a serious difference. Um, and, I, you know, the other thing I hear all the time is, well, who's going to be the next guy available? And who knows? But there's always dudes becoming available that are impact players. Yep. You know, there's – I could think of, you know, I, I don't love this, obviously, but uh, Draymond Green, Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, Miles Turner. You mentioned Minnesota, Cat. Who knows? Like, there's guys on the move all the time. Kyle Lowry. I'm not interested in Kyle Lowry, but that's, like, a big <laughs> player that's on the move. But, like, yeah. those type of players that you never thought would be available or become available all the time. Yeah, and 
that's always been, I think, how Monty McNair wanted to build this team is eventually because he's got to know you can't get the guys to come in free agency. Sacramento has always got and kept stars by trading for them or drafting them and showing them that, you know, Sacramento is a great city. This fan base will support you as long as you <laughs> give give it as much as we do. Yeah. So I think that's uh, it's a good place to close, Brian. I don't have anything else, man. They play Utah <laughs> next, and I, I don't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch because I enjoy watching Utah play basketball, but uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to go into any game this season expecting the Kings to win. Even if the Kings rattle off another four-game win streak here, I'm done pretending. Yeah, you know what the Utah thing reminded me of? Uh, I have a goal to try to get to every stadium at some point in my life, right? And last year's was Utah. And uh, I went to a game where they played against the Kings in Utah. It was probably only about the fifth game of the year. And if you remember last season, uh, there was excitement going into the year, right? And then uh, I think it was just coming off the Jaeger year, right? And uh, Walton's first. And then they lost about seven games in a row to start. Um, And I watched – I was so excited for Dwayne Dedman. I'm not going to lie. I was right there with Tim. (laughs) I thought he was a great fit. I thought it was a perfect Bagley pairing. And that was the worst Dwayne Dedman game I've ever seen in my life. And, oh, man, they just – they played absolutely horrible. It was embarrassing that I traveled for that game. Um, Yeah, and I don't know that uh, next game against Utah is going to be much better with Utah being one of the best teams in the league right now. But who knows? It would be a Kings thing to come out and win this game, lose to (laughs) Minnesota, and then beat Utah. Who knows? Who knows? Even if they come out and beat Utah and win, rattle off five games, are you going to believe in this team again? (laughs) Probably for no good reason. Just because we're so close to the end of the year, I'm like just going to believe in the 10 seed. The 10 seed's not crazy. It's not crazy. No. They are currently here. They are currently two and a half games from the 10 seed. I don't want to sit here. You know, I made the joke last night that I want to remove the P word from our vocabulary, and the P word is the play in. I'm not going to sit here and say it's crazy to think that they're going to be in the 10th seed. I think it's crazy to think that they can win. The play-in tournament. No, they got this. Crazy t- no, 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 and I think, <laughs> and I think it's crazy to pretend that winning the or the, making the play-in tournament means anything for the long-term success of this team. Like I, I, I know that there are a lot of smart fans out there who really do think, oh, just put this team in a competitive game or two, and they're really going to get the fire in their belly, and that's going to be the best thing for them long-term. No, I would much rather this team just play the youngsters. And accept that, you know, having the seventh pick is better than whatever the heck motivation they'd get from losing in the playing tournament. Yeah. And I respect anybody who feels otherwise, but... Speak it like a true draft expert, right? (laughs) (laughs) I told you. Depending on the draft is a self-defense mechanism. A damn good one in Sacramento. Um, Yeah. All right, man. Well, we will be back in a few days. The guys at the King's Herald are continuing the great work there all the time. Definitely go check out the site, kingsherald.com, and support the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. If you enjoyed this 
roller coaster episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.